1: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
2: Good afternoon, St. Louis, DGS on Camo Happy blustery Thursday. Had a buddy of mine text me earlier and ask what my favorite uh, Queen song was. And I told her it's this one and uh, started the show with it. I it's love this one. song, isn't it? God, he's got. It sounds so stupid. Man, Queen's good. <laughs> Have you ever
4: noticed that Queen is like really good? I, I'm just just getting a hip to that.
3: <laughs> I'm glad the I'm glad the uh, Gen Zers found that out. Yeah. So that now we know. Now
4: that
2: we know. Because
3: <laughs> otherwise we wouldn't know. Not me. Welcome back. We hey, back. thanks.
2: Woohoo. So you were with family?
3: Yeah, just my parents mm-hmm. hanging out in uh, northeastern Florida, just nice. south of Jacksonville. It was nice. Yeah, it was chilling. It was it was one. This was a laid back trip this wasn't meant for like you know jet skis yeah jet skis and you know theme parks and all that this was just hanging out with mom and dad going out to a bunch of seafood dinners and hanging on the beach for a day doing some old timey stuff uh was it what day was it i can't remember the days uh tuesday tuesday we were in the oldest city in america
2: that's cool Yep,
3: st augustine it's a pirate town (sighs) our lots of pirate stuff
2: (laughs) did kevin have some crab cakes
3: did i (laughs) three times in five days (laughs) nice Yep. And then the other time I had uh, uh, Mahi tacos that had crab meat on it, too. So I'm like, Ooh, you know, I went all in. Now you're nice. dunking on us. I know. That's great.
2: Ah, boy. Okay. Uh, I don't want to talk about this shooting at all, but we have to. And the reason I don't want to talk about it is because we've done it so many times. And, uh, you know, like they just played the new speaker uh, who said uh, – this evil can stop and, and we, you know, like it can be eradicated. Basically we, 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 there's no need, there's no reason we have to deal with this, with these mass shootings. And I want to believe that, but over the years, it's, it's almost become like an Israel, Palestine abortion. Uh, you know, one side says it's the guns and the other side says, no, we need more guns. We, it's, it's the mental health, um, uh, and we just do the dance every single time and every single time it happens, we kind of talk about it in the same way on the show. And it really does just get, you know, I, I, I don't know what to do. I, every time I say it, I'll give my little speech. I think you put up as many roadblocks as you possibly can, uh, because there are a certain number of people out there like this guy who are either truly not right in the head or, Or are temporarily not right in the head because their wife left them or their boss fired them or whatever it happens to be. And so you take an unstable person who's suicidal and homicidal and you give them access to guns, especially something, you know, high powered with high capacity. And you just it's very difficult to stop them. You know, the only thought I really had that's, that's anything at all new was I wrote down last night. If you can't go to a bowling alley, a bar, a church or a parade, how great of a country can you be? You know, uh, I think our country, like our families, like our, our own selves are not uh, monolithic. You know, the a country's made up of thousands and thousands of different things and dozens of major policies and decisions and stances and values and beliefs. Um, uh, but if there is a way to figure this out, we just have to, because Maslow's hierarchy of needs, go back to your freshman year in college and just, you know, the, the basic bottom of the pyramid, just security. You have to be able to go to a long John Silver's without being afraid of getting shot, you know? And, uh. I don't know. It's like I was called the Trish Gazelle Doctrine when Trish was on the show and she said, once someone did it, then it was in everybody's head. You know, before that, something else was in the crazy people's head. And if someone takes a bazooka to a grocery store, that'll be in their head and we'll start getting bazooka attacks. You know, anyone got anything edifying for the the group? There's
3: like like you said at the beginning, it feels like you're repeating yourself over and over. Like every, what would you say, every six to eight weeks, we have to have the same conversation over and over again. Um, one thing that stands out to me for sure is this idea that this particular freedom is untouchable. The problem is there is no such thing as a freedom that comes without restriction because we have to restrict our own freedom, so that it's not stepping on that of others. That's the idea, right? If I had ultimate freedom, that means, Dave, you don't, because then I could do what I want to you. And that's how all of our laws are set up, right? We have speeding laws, because if we didn't, we'd be leaving it to the whims of people, how fast they want to drive, how much they, you know, how how regressively they want to drive. And it doesn't, you can't, You cannot stop everything. I think we all know that. You cannot stop all violence. That is not an excuse for doing nothing. You can reduce it. And if it saves 15 lives a year or 100 lives a year or whatever it is, better is still better. But it's not about that anymore. It's it's simply about the fight. It's simply because if you think that any right that you have is unrestricted. You you don't understand how the world works. You have the right to pursue everything until it starts infringing on someone else's right. That's the bottom line, right? Freedom of speech only goes so far. Freedom to pursue life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, all that's that's all fine. But I can't do that if it means I'm taking it from you. And you can't do it if it means taking it from me. But we can't. We can't cross that bridge. We can't have anybody who's really hardcore on the one side of this issue make a single concession. They can't make a single. Maine has almost no laws about this stuff. And you can't catch everyone. That's a fact. We know it. But, the, but did that stop us? Do we? Does knowing that we can't stop all drug flow in the United States, does that stop us? From having the war on drugs or laws about drugs and pushing things. Of course not. Good analogy. If we want laws and ways to restrict illegal immigration, we know we can't stop everyone. But no, but, but we still want to stop as many as we can. So why do we see it the same way on those two big hot button issues, but not this one? Because it's the same principle. You cannot achieve perfection, but you can be better. But better requires compromise.
2: What – this may be an unfair question, but you're really on a roll here. You should take vacation more often. (laughs) What concessions would you like to see from both sides? What would you like to see the Republicans give a little and the Democrats give a little?
3: Uh, Well, first of all, I I think a lot of it to me would be language on the Democrat side. Stop talking about the – stop going to extreme discussions about taking things away from people. It's not necessary. We don't need to take anything away from anybody who follows the law, from anybody that has no quote-unquote red flags. But you need to have a national red flag law. There needs to be a way to, to make sure that we know if someone who has been committed this past summer is buying a gun. Now, maybe he's had these guns for years. We don't know any of the details on that. But we know what happened here at CVPA. We know that police were called by the family because they were worried about this shooter and what he might do with having a gun, and the police, by law, could not take the gun. That's a loophole that can get fixed. It's not that difficult to to impose and use red flag laws. Why is it such a difficult thing to have a waiting period? Who needs a gun today? Who? Who? I mean, how many, how many times in any of our lives in this room have you gone, you know what? Boy, if I don't get a gun today, it's going to be bad. I mean, I, I, and obviously, you know, universal background checks, all of those things exist in some form or another, but we can tighten them all up. We can close gun show loopholes. We can make it so that we, we make sure that everything is just so that it's controlled. What else do, what do we do this with everything? We do it with every tool, everything that we have that could be harmful to someone else. We do it with, um, I mean, prescription drugs. There are all kinds of drugs you can get from your doctor. You just can't go get them for no reason because you need to have a good reason to have it. Now, you don't have to have a good reason in my book to have a gun. You can have one. But why aren't you willing to go through the simple steps that it would take if it took 72 hours? What if it was two weeks? What's the big deal? If you got a hunting trip coming up, plan it. Do it before that. You know, I, I there again, there's nothing is gonna catch everything, but the, but perfection is not the standard. How can we do better? And I don't know what would you say? Like closing loopholes, making sure that ever that there's a there's a red flag law that means if you have engaged in domestic abuse, if you have been, if you got a history of violent outbursts of fighting, whatever that you may not be able to have that until you can prove over a period of time that you're not doing that anymore or that that issue is not an issue for you anymore. I, mean, I, I don't know. Does that sound crazy? Not to me. Because right now it varies by where you live. Some places you can. And then, you know, if one place, let's say I'm just using geographically here because we have, you know, a border right across the river here. So if our gun laws are different than the gun laws right across the the river in Illinois, regardless of which one is better or worse, it doesn't really matter if they're not the same. All that means if one is more lax, that's where people are going to go to get what they want. So it kind of needs to be nationwide, right? We are one nation, allegedly. Why can't we operate under those same rules so that you can't have those types of loopholes? Like, well, can't get what I want where I live, but if I drive 25 minutes, I can get anything I want anytime I want.
4: Right thoughts. I totally get what you're saying. Um what do we know about this guy Robert Card? Do we know that he was committed for any I mean I, I'm not seeing anything about his past that would be a red flag and that would have prevented any of this. I might not just I, I might just not have all the information, but that's the sad part of the puzzle too is like You can have those laws and we should have those laws and we should close those loopholes and we should make things as difficult as possible for the unstable people. But then there are always going to be the people who don't show off any signs and then just crack one day and do this. And how on earth do you prevent that?
2: My understanding is that he had a history of domestic violence. I don't know whether that was documented or anecdotal. Okay. That he had a restraining order, that he was an inpatient, that he was uh, also, I believe, discharged from the military as a Section 8. Uh, meaning that you are have some sort of mental instability. So,
4: But he had a legally purchased firearm.
2: That I don't know. I don't know whether, like Kev said, I've not seen that reported, whether he's had it for 10 years or he just got it or he found it on in the woods. I, I don't know.
4: I, I just, I, I get everything you guys are saying. I just always, maybe it's the pessimist in me, focus on... The people that we can't catch with the, these sure. kind of laws, and then that starts to feel really hopeless because that because you always hear which, people which we've s-
2: seen happen. Like we've had several shootings yeah. the past few years where there weren't red flags other than like a friend who said like Yeah, right, Tony right. got a little weird now and then, but yep. there were there's nothing on the record.
4: Yeah. So as far as what I would like to see from both sides, I think sometimes the left is a little bit too quick to go like. Well, your thoughts and prayers mean absolutely nothing, and it's like, well, sometimes that's all you can do is pray and hope that things are going to be better because this is this is a on top of everything else, it is a mental illness problem as well. It's it's a gun problem, but it's also definitely a mental Every illness time. problem. Yeah,
3: of course it is, and and I would also argue that the people that say it's not the guns, it's mental illness. Well, well, then where are your proposals yeah. to help with this issue?
4: That's where a are huge, the we, glaring like hole if, I, the I agree
3: with them it is which is why you need to take the care on the gun side right if everybody was stable we wouldn't have to worry about it. I'd be like have what you want yeah I mean no big deal but we know that that's not true. So if that's not the issue to you, you think it's something else then where are all of your bills proposed as law that would help us on that side because if you take the action on that side you have my respect. Because at least you're trying to fix a part of the problem. And that's the thing. We don't have to make it one thing. It can be multiple things. And I do think the language on on the political sides of it is far too extreme and aggressive for, you know, on the left it's too much. We got to ban these No, you don't need to ban anything. You know, you just need to make sure that people that are getting them are not the ones breaking the law and don't have any of the red flags. And on the other side, it can't be just like Wild West. Everybody can have what they want.
2: Um few people calling in uh if you'd like to get your voice in on this and again I, I i'm not trying at all to be disrespectful uh to the people in maine and and act like it's no big deal it's a very big deal it's just that we've had this conversation so many times and uh and you run out of new things to say but if you'd like to uh to give us your thoughts 314 436 7900 800 124 dgs let's talk to eric on line one eric thanks for calling in go ahead
5: Hey, DGS. I was just calling to uh, correct a few misconceptions um, that Kevin said. Uh, first, um, the gun show loophole, that uh, is when you go to a gun show, if you buy a gun from a dealer, which that's most of the sellers at a, a gun show, you have to do a background check. There's no loophole for a dealer. Um, usually what that, that people are talking about is just a Joe Blow. Um, he wants to sell one of his guns out of his collection, goes to a gun show, and he can sell it, transfer cash, and then they're done. Um, Some states, they have laws where you have to do a background check. Missouri's not one of them. The other one is um, Illinois residents, if they come to Missouri as a gun dealer, you have to follow the resident or Mm -hmm. the customer's state of residency's laws. So Illinois has a 72-hour wait time for rifles and handguns. So if you come to Missouri, which we don't have that, you can buy a handgun or rifle, you pass a background check, you leave with it that day. If you come from Illinois to Missouri, try and buy a rifle, you have to wait that 72 hours because as a dealer, we have to follow the state laws where you live. Also, you can't buy a handgun in the state of Missouri unless you live in Missouri, and that's for every state. You you cannot buy a handgun um, anywhere but the state you live in. It's Erica, good stuff. Thank are you, you. Are you a dealer? I used to be.
2: Um, did you ever uh, have a customer that you got a weird feeling about and refused to sell?
5: Yes. Yeah, you you get them. You, usually, they you would get them where they you could smell alcohol. That was something that was a red flag. Hey, I can't sell a gun to you. Mm. Um, but yeah, if if you gave a weird vibe um, or you just. You were doing things kind of odd. I would tell my employees, if you get a bad feeling, I'm not going to fire you for not selling a gun. Interesting. Because as far as I know, that person could go use that gun for a crime, or they could be an undercover ATF agent that's trying mm. to test you, Yeah. Um, because I've, I've never had that happen, but I've heard of it happen to other dealers. So if you ever, I would always tell my employees, if you had a weird vibe, don't sell it.
2: So, Eric, you sound like a smart, reasonable guy. What are your thoughts on this from being a former dealer? Any any suggestions of what action could be taken?
5: So I if that guy was sectioned eight from the military, that should have been reported to the FBI Nick system. That way it would have red flagged whenever he went and bought a gun at a dealer. Um, that is a problem. There was the shooting, I believe it was down in, Texas at a church yeah. where that guy, he was an Air Force veteran, and he was dishonorably discharged. That right there would have uh, would have canceled – or it would have rejected you during the background check, um, but he still was able to get it. I As, as a gun Second Amendment supporter, uh, I'd probably get a lot of flack for it, but I do think we need red flag laws. Um, I don't think a, a magazine capacity or an assault weapons ban will do anything, um, but I do think if you can figure out this person is a risk of hurting themselves, hurting the significant other, or doing a mass shooting, then they should probably ha- have their weapons taken, and then through a process of maybe a counselor or a therapist would be the one that said, okay, this person has... Um they're on the proper medication. they're going through the proper therapy. They can get those firearms back um but yeah, I just I feel like a red flag law through the nation should probably be something that we should look at. I will say that a lot of the the gun people um the there's uh, influencers that are in this industry that they push that any Ground that we give as Second Amendment supporters is just going to be another inch, and they're going to keep clawing for more and more. And that's why they are so staunchly against giving anything, because they feel like, well, if we give red flag laws and then there's a shooting, well, now the red flag flag laws didn't work. So now they're going to try and get for something else until – you have no more Second Amendment right.
2: Yeah, and unfortunately, I think that's the standard we're applying to pretty much everything in politics today. Eric, thank you so much. That was really great. Quick break, right back, DGS. One thirty-five. DGS. Wheeler's back with us. Rachel will be gone for a couple weeks, uh, starting on Halloween. Uh we speak of Halloween. We are doing spooky stories each evening for you, starting at about four twenty. Uh this is all brought to you by our buddies over at Lore Distributing and uh, specifically Portlandia Big Believer Cabernet Sauvignon. Uh Race, right, we picture we posted a
4: pic, right? Yeah, it's up on the Dave Glover Show Facebook page if you'd like to check out uh the wine. It's really cool looking bottle for yeah. sure.
2: And it's a good wine. Like there are lots of wines out there that try to get you with the label or uh a, a clever pun of a name, but the wine's crap. Uh, this is really good. Good wine, 20 bucks-ish, uh, wherever you're going to buy it. And thank you to Lore for uh, supporting the show, as they always have. Um, I wrote a story a few years ago. I, I've had a recurring nightmare since I was a kid. And, uh, I don't know, three four years ago, uh, I decided to, to write it down in the form of a story. Uh, I don't fancy myself a writer i'm not looking to to change careers uh, i really did it to, to to be cathartic and then i remembered it and i recorded it today and i think we're going to play that for you on halloween
4: cool mm-hmm. yeah I'm excited. it's pretty
2: creepy yeah i'm a fan i mean it's yeah it is creepy <laughs> and i think it's you know i think it's different than uh it's different than almost anything I've ever heard in that genre. Yeah, you know, it's it's a twist to it that came straight out of the bottom of my fear. Like it's not something I thought of. It, it's a dream I just kept having over and over again. So I'm trying to think of how I
3: would categorize it because it, it is. It's a little bit like some of the more modern tellings of spooky stories. Like it's you know, it's not over the top. There's not a lot. It's not craziness. But there's I. I'm not going I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to give it away, but I like I like the tie-in at the end. Yeah. I thought that was a cool tie-in to kind of a older Yeah. I don't want to say a cliche thing, but a common thing that yeah. people think of when it comes to spooky stuff.
2: Yeah. I think it's the the terror of the mundane, if that makes sense.
4: Yeah, it's like a knife point episode.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe yeah. a little black mirrorish. Yeah. A little yeah. bit yeah. like that. So anyway, we'll play that for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, coming up on Christmas, Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hell, why not? <laughs> hell, why the hell not?
5: Jingle bells, creepy
2: bells. <laughs> uh, <laughs> on Halloween, and tonight uh, I'll have one. Of, each night we'll have one of my stories, and we'll have a listener story. So, so there you go. Like you couldn't figure that out. Um, 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 um. You know what? Let's just do some weird stuff. Uh, I had a thought last night, as I always do, and I was thinking about my life, as we all do. And I was thinking, and by the way, I'm not going to do this because I don't have the guts for it. But I thought, what if I wrote my life story and I and I wrote everything, everything, everything I've done, everything that was done to me, everything. And then I thought, I wonder if anyone's ever done that. I know that people written autobiographies. I know that there are different levels of honesty and candor, but. I wonder if anyone's ever really documented, and I don't mean, like, people who, and no offense, I mean, we all have our own lives, but I I mean people who have, like, bumped around, not people who marry their high school sweetheart and have three kids and they have a dairy farm and they die holding hands. Fantastic. But I mean people who have, like, lived a life. And I just was fascinated by that thought. Like, what if we all did that? What if that was a part of life that, you know, it's like you have history books and you have novels and you have spooky stories. What if there was just a compendium of real, true lives? Like, what would that do to us if we could actually go to a library and just read life after life? Would we feel better about ours? would we see similarities would we feel like oh my thank god i'm not crazy this person had the same crazy thoughts that i did or would you see what i'm getting at
4: yeah for sure
0: there's a hbo show uh, how to with john wilson and the uh, the host of it john wilson has sort of an obsessive disorder and he has to document every single thing that ha- he films or like documents by writing down or oftentimes both basically every single thing that happens to him in his life he can find what he did on Literally any day in any memory that he has, he can go and he can find that book of that day and he can open it up and he can see, you know, this is what I had for lunch. This is what I had for dinner. I walked this far to this place. Go ahead, Rach.
4: I I love that show. I really like John Wilson, but... Don't you think there's still some self-editing going on there, even though he's documented? Like, I just think as humans, we're not really capable of truly laying ourselves bare like that. Mm -hmm. I think, I don't think there's an autobiography on the planet that exists that's the actual full true story, because I don't know if we're capable of doing that. Just kind of like you're never really capable of of truly knowing another person. They're always going to have their inner world going on. You're you're never gonna know every thought they have and how they really feel about things. I just think that's kind of the human condition to kind of be cursed yeah. with yeah. That, with that you feeling think, of like, oh, it's just me, it's only me. There are people who can take you like close to a breakthrough of like, oh, I'm not alone. But ultimately, you're never yeah. gonna get. That's the why full I would never truth. do it. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. I I think you're right, Dave, in the sense that I think being able to, if you wanted to seek it out, there's a therapeutic element to seeing that. So many people have dealt with the same things that you are. Because like, like we've been, this, we've been, this has been going on for a long time. Yeah. Whatever each individual is dealing with is not the first time that a human being has dealt with that thing.
2: Yeah, we're not inventing, inventing stuff. Right. It might have been in a different form with mm-hmm. different
3: technology, but it's the same idea. I think, though, Rachel is, is right on. I think it's a great point that even unintentionally, you are still your own editor. You know, there's no way to just take a raw thought and put it on paper. And it's entirely possible that like that guy, when he's like Rachel said,
0: when he's writing stuff down obsessively, maybe he's like, I can leave out where I said that really rude thing to that person.
3: Right. But what if, if, I mean, I'll put the sci-fi twist on it. What if you could just digitally download your story, your memory, unedited, just what your brain has perceived without your own interpretations
2: of it? There was a movie like that with Robin Williams, uh, a futuristic movie where it was his job to go through people's memories like at a funeral, and he I believe he would like edit out the the bad stuff. I ah, guess oh.
4: bicentennial man. <laughs> I love that movie. By the
2: way. <laughs> Mrs. Doubtfire. Um, but yeah, similar kind of thing. That, that somehow through technology, all of your memories are downloaded, and then someone like him takes it and makes it Presentable. The final cut. The final cut. Yeah. You would definitely, though, like, w-
3: would you be interested in seeing an unfiltered version of what your mind has registered as a memory?
2: That's really an interesting question. And I wonder if we would recognize it. If we really could experience it. Outside of ourselves, like watching it on video, right, without I, the
3: emotions attached to I it or whatever. If we
2: would go, oh my gosh, this is exactly what I were what I remember. If we would say, this is so bizarre because it's close, but I don't remember X, and I don't. And that's the way, as I understand it, because this is like my dork hobby is reading and studying things about consciousness and such. And evidently, that's the way it is, that Mm -hmm. we just build memory upon memory, and it's a memory of a memory of a memory of a memory. And they say that if we really could access that true memory, that it's not like we wouldn't recognize it, but it would be significantly different than what we have in our head. And that's creepy. Oh, yeah. That's that's interesting, isn't it? Who we think we are. Would you want to see that? It's sort of like what I want to see a Bigfoot. Like, I would <laughs> I would want to see a Bigfoot in a cage. I would want to see a Bigfoot on a trail. Right. I kind of would want to see it. I think I would like to watch an episode for right. my life unfiltered, but then I don't think I'd ever want to go back and do it again.
3: Isn't it crazy, too, how we, like random things can get? Things you just would never really normally think of. This happened to me when I was in Florida. I was driving with my parents, and we were going towards... Uh, I can't remember we were going towards, we were going towards the beach somewhere and we went past a pier that's near the beach where people can walk out and fish. And at that thing, I, I had a memory pop into my head and I asked my mom if this was actually a thing because my grandfather, her dad he died when I was like four or five. So a long time ago. And I asked, cause we're walking by, I said, am I inventing a memory? But mm. did I, did I see your dad hit his head on a post Walking back on one of those piers towards us, she's like, oh, my God. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. We dropped him off there. We all went to the beach. Couldn't have been more than four. Wow. Based on the time, based on the summer that it was. And out of nowhere, just like, I I couldn't tell you. I haven't thought about that maybe since
2: it happened. Uh, When we come back, I will share a dream I had when I was about three uh, that I could make a movie of right now. And I still it, remember it. Yeah. And I know it happened because uh, for a long time, my family members remembered it because I was a toddler and I would I refused to go to bed for like a week. Uh, but it, it's it's an amazing dream for a three year old to have. Uh, let me tell you guys about, by the way. If you're tuning in for the first time, <laughs> this is usually not what we do. I, mean, I know, I was just I, thinking that. Like, it's like we're
4: front-selling I'm, the dream. I'm not sure
2: that there is a usual thing we do that's sort of like the blessing and the curse of the Dave Glover show is we'll go from what are we going to do about mass shootings to here's a weird dream I had when I was three to bathroom humor. But that's kind of what we do. 149 DGS. Uh, hope you're enjoying the weird start to the show. Um... If not, don't worry, we're going to change up pretty quickly. Uh, uh, so this is a dream I had when I was about three years old, and I finally tracked down where it came from, which I'll tell you after I tell you the dream. But here's a dream I had. Uh, and it's you're not going to believe it because it's so uh, symbolic. It's a very heady dream for a toddler. But I dreamt that my mom and I were running from something. And we we're in this giant white marble beautiful like mansion, like a, almost like a church. And we had to get up to the top of like this altar. And there were steps. I can see them in my mind right now. They're rounded. They're probably about ten steps. And they just like like if you took a, a circle and cut it in half. And she was a grown-up and she was faster than me. And so she made it to the top and She was like, come on, come on, come on. She was holding her hand down for me. And I was, you know how it is in dreams. You can't move as fast as you want. And so I was trying to get up the stairs. And by the time I got up the stairs, um, I saw to my right a door open and I saw flames and, like, people pushing, like, coal carts, like a mine And then I saw this guy that looked sort of like a Neanderthal with a beard. He had soot all over his face. And he just grabbed me and pulled me away from my mom and took me down into that. And then I felt uh, a blaze on my cheek and I woke up. And I was so terrified and I refused to go to sleep for like a week. It bothered me so much. And I've remembered it ever since. Obviously, here I am, 59 years old. And I thought it was from this cartoon I saw. About, like, these clockwork elves that live in the middle of the earth. And I found it. And you can find it if you look for it on YouTube. People my age may remember this because people my age... In the mornings, you would see, like, The Little Rascals and Bugs Bunny and then some effed up cartoon <laughs> from, like, <laughs> 1918. <laughs> and this one had these elves and there was, you know, and they were they're little and they had beards and they had soot in their face. And I swear to God, when I found it a few years ago, I just about passed out because it was, oh, my God, that was real. That's where it probably came from. And it just freaked me out. Happy Halloween. Scary dream for
4: a little toddler.
2: Yes, it was. Sorry that happened. And so like, you know, symbolic. Mm-hmm. You're like, you know, heaven and hell and yeah. your mom and all this stuff. And <laughs> but isn't it weird how like I could make a movie? Like I I remember it better than I remember dreams I've had the past month.
4: I think whenever you have a nightmare like that as a kid, it really sticks with you.
2: Yeah. There's a
3: couple I can still remember. I don't think I was that little. And isn't it weird to have a memory
0: of a dream? Yeah, it is. To have a, like, you were talking about the weirdness of memory earlier and how it may look completely different than what you, you know, had seen in your memory. And yet, like, you can have a
2: memory of a dr- something that 100% didn't happen. Oof. Uh Two weird things, and I promise we'll get less weird, Uh, but last night doing my weird nerd consciousness studies, uh, I read that 95% of what we do is subconscious. Only 5% of what we do in our lives on a daily basis is conscious thought. It's just the other 95% of it, the bulk, the the iceberg under the water is just happening.
4: Are they talking about like your body functioning? Not
2: just that, but just like. When you're driving home.
4: Yeah. You know. Highway hypnosis. Kind of
2: stuff. Yeah.
4: Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, when I'm here at work, I definitely have a set routine and I'm not thinking, and next I'm going to fill in the blank. I pretty much just do it. So I'm sure everyone else feels that way too.
0: Yeah. Isn't it like when you go to the kitchen and you forget what you went to the kitchen for, you're Mm. like, I just like automatically went to the kitchen. uh, Mm Mm-hmm kind of snapped to consciousness and I'm like why am I even in here
2: also and we'll end it here but I had this thought that that y- you could be inevitable because if and I know for religious people you have your answers but let's say that everything that is is just pure consciousness it's just it just is but to have any sort of shape it has to have experiences and the infinite can't experience the finite and so we exist and who knows what else exists out there but we're made of pure consciousness and we're having these experiences so that it which is everything can take some sort of shape and if you think of like the multiverse that if it can happen it will happen that maybe you're kevin wheeler You're 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 just an inevitable thing to happen. Every decision you make, everything that ever happened to you and ever will happen to you is not so much preordained. It's just that, like in a box of Lucky Charms, there's going to be so many marshmallows and so many pieces of cereal and maybe no two are the same. And you're just a certain mix of marshmallows and cereal. And that's what all of our lives are. That one kind of freaked me out last night.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, it feels like Loki when I'm watching Loki.
4: He was just over here having all these deep thoughts. Yeah, I'm going to go to the bathroom.
1: (laughs) This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on What's in Your Podcast queue. And guess what?